Let us all turn together to the Word of God this evening. And already you're endeavouring to find the place. It'll be the conclusion of Genesis chapter 11. And after completing the verses of the chapter, we will be reading on into the early uh, verses in Genesis 12. Part of Abraham's life, his pilgrimage, his experience with God, recorded in the Holy Scriptures. So, this is most interesting if you really get into it and see it in the context of Abraham's life and all that he ventured to do for God. Let us read about his background, first of all. Genesis 11, verse 27. Now, these are the generations of Terah. Terah begat Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Haran begat Lot. And Haran died before his father Terah in the land of his nativity, in Ur of the Chaldees. And Abram, Nahor, took them wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and the father of Iscah. But Sarai was barren. She had no child. And Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his son's son, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife. And they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan. And they came unto Haran and dwelt there. And the days of Terah were 205 years. And Terah died in Haran. Chapter 12. Now the Lord had said, You should look at the expression there. It's not that the Lord is saying, although God's word never changes. But we're brought back to an earlier time. And God had spoken to this man. And, and you'll learn just exactly what it was that God said. We can, we can all visualize in our own lives how the Lord has taken a gracious dealing with us. We can say, yes, way back there, the Lord had said to me. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land. The Hebrew Bible puts in the definite article there, unto the land. I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, 
and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken. Again we say had spoken unto him. And Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan. And into the land of Canaan they came. Abram passed through the land unto the place of Sychem, unto the plain of Moray. And the Canaanite was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel, or as we often say, Bethel. Sometimes we should emphasize the syllables, really. Bethel, meaning, as so many of you will know, the house of God. He removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west, Hai on the east, and there he builded an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed, going on still toward the south. How precious is the time spent around the word of God. The Lord bless his word tonight in the reading of it and in the preaching of it too for his name's sake. Can we turn back, please, to the book of Genesis, chapters 11 and 12? And we spoke last Lord's Day evening generally on the subject of what it means to be converted. And tonight, and over the next number of Sunday nights, God willing, we're going to consider some of the great Bible conversions that are recorded in the Old Testament Scriptures. And tonight we're thinking especially of Abram, the conversion of Abram. Let's pray together and call upon the Lord for help, for grace and for his speaking voice. Loving God and Eternal Father, we're thankful for a God that is able to change people's hearts and people's lives. We thank Thee for that word of Scripture that teaches us so clearly that if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things are become new. 
We pray tonight that that great work of conversion might take place in somebody's heart and life tonight. We thank Thee, Lord, for all who are within these walls. And we thank Thee as well for others locally and in other parts of the country and maybe other parts of the world that are joining us online. And Lord, Thou knowest every heart. Nothing is hidden from Thee. And so, Lord, we pray that as Thou didst call Abram, that, Lord, Thou wilt call people to Thyself tonight. And may there be those who will start out for heaven and for home and be blessed under God and be a blessing to a lost world around us. Hear and answer prayer. Grant the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Hide the preacher behind the cross. But glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. Extend thy kingdom. We pray in the Savior's precious name. Amen. Abram is undoubtedly one of the most important men in all of Holy Scripture. And we could also go as far as saying that Abram is one of the most important individuals in world history. Abram, under God, was the father of the nation of Israel. And Abram has also been called the father of the faithful. Jesus Christ, our Lord, was a direct descendant of Abraham. The very first verse in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 1 and verse number 1, indicates that Jesus Christ, our Lord, was a son of Abraham. But, of course, like every believer, there was a time in Abram's life, a long time as a matter of fact, when Abram was far, far away from God. It could be said of Abram, as it was said of the people of the city of Ephesus, that he walked in times past according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, according uh, to the children and the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Having his conversation or his lifestyle or his behavior in times past and the lust of the flesh, filling the desire of the flesh and mind, and was by nature a child of wrath even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace are ye saved. Those things were said of the church at Ephesus. They can be said of every believer. And there's no doubt as well that those words applied to Abram as well. There came a time in Abram's life whenever he was wonderfully and powerfully and supernaturally and eternally converted. His life was completely turned around. His life was changed by the grace of God as Abram was brought to know God and became a friend of God and a follower of the God of heaven. Can I ask you tonight, has such a thing ever happened in your life? Has there been a time in your life whenever you've realized your need for God's grace, God's mercy, and God's forgiveness? Has there been a time in your life where you've been conscious of the Spirit of God drawing you 
calling you, even convicting you of your sin. And you've been turned from the road that you were once traveling to behold the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, by faith. And you've entered into newness of life. And you've left the old life behind. And it can be said of you, the cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back, no turning back. Abram is a man venerated by Christianity, a man venerated by Judaism, and a man also honored to a degree within Islam as well. And so we know that Abram is a well-known man and a real historical figure. But there are certain things that I want you to consider from Genesis chapters 11 and 12, whenever we're first introduced to Abram, certain things about him that I want you to notice. And the first thing is his carnality. Before he met the Lord, Abram was just like any of his peers or neighbors. He was carnal, sinful by nature and sinful by practice. Now, if we are honest, many people might be familiar with Abram, and people, as we have said, from Judaism and from the Islamic faith talk about Abram, but many do not know very much or never really consider this conversion experience, and they consider even less what Abram was like before the Lord changed his life. But we get an interview with Abraham, as it were, and we see where he was in Genesis chapter 11, verse 31. You'll notice exactly where he was. It says in the middle of the verse that they went forth from the Ur of the Chaldees onto the land of Canaan. Abraham, or Abram, grew up in Mesopotamia. And modern-day Iraq would fall into that locality. He came from a place called Ur of the Chaldees. And Ur, the little word Ur there, it denotes light or a burning light, a flame or a fire, a light. And the word Chaldees denotes a magician or an astronomer or an astrologer. The Ur of the Chaldees, it could literally be rendered, if we were to paraphrase it, the light of the astrologers. And so it was a place, it was a, a haven of paganism and idolatry and false religion. And we hear a lot nowadays about astrology, and sometimes they call it New Age religion. But really there's nothing new about it at all. As Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. Abram was brought up in a place where there was new light, if you like, and astrology, and diviners, and magicians, and it was, it was the religion of his day. The true God of heaven, who would be the God of the nation of Israel, the God of the Christian, the true God, the living God, was not recognized, and certainly he was not worshipped at all in the place where Abram grew up as a boy and then as a teenager and then as a young man growing up into adult light. Abram grew up and was born into and lived in up until the moment where God called him in spiritual darkness. Even though the place name that he grew up in was noted for some sort of spiritual light, but really there was no light at all. 
It's a little bit like our Lord who, in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25, asked the question, or verse 23, if the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? And many like Abram profess to have spiritual light, inner light, and new light, but really it's just a form of spiritual darkness. And that's where Abram grew up, and the people of the Urs of the Chaldees were devoted to a god known as Nanar, and that was the moon god. We might say that they were wired to the moon. Remember in Matthew chapter 17, there was a man that came to the Lord and said, Lord, would you help my son, for he is a lunatic. And that word lunatic literally means moonstruck. You know, we talk about a lunar eclipse. And we talk about the lunar landings and so on and so forth. And it has reference to the moon. And the people that Abraham lived with, and I'm sure he was no different, they worshipped the God of the moon. They were wired to the moon in a spiritual sense. That's exactly where God found him. That's exactly where God called him, and that's where the Lord brought him out of. So it doesn't really matter tonight where a person is in life or in this world. God can meet them there, and God can reach them, and God can save all sorts of people out of all sorts of different backgrounds. Where he was, Mesopotamia, Ur of the Chaldees. Now let's think for a moment or two about who he was. Abram, first of all, was a stranger to God. We mentioned last Lord's Day evening as we thought about conversion, people need to be converted to God because naturally speaking, we are strangers to God. And of course, Abram was a stranger. He's a picture of the natural man. We are all like Abraham by nature and by birth. We are strangers to grace and we are strangers to God. Naturally speaking, we are outside of God's kingdom. We are outside of God's family. And we are outside of God's favor. And God is not the father of all of humanity in a spiritual sense. He's only the father of those who have been born again and converted and adopted into God's family. Abraham or Abram was a stranger, didn't really know who God was, and certainly did not know God personally. He was a stranger to God. Now, you might know a little bit more about God than Abram did as he grew up in Mesopotamia, but if you don't know God personally, you're still a stranger. Robert Murray McShane said, I once was a stranger to grace and to God. I knew not my danger, felt not my load. Friends spoke in rapture of Christ in the tree, but Jehovah said, Can you, the Lord, our righteousness was nothing to me. It meant nothing to young Robert Murray McShane. Religious though he was, he was a stranger to grace and to God. And maybe tonight whenever people talk about the cross and they talk about Christ, and they talk about the Savior's dying love. It means nothing to you. It doesn't warm your heart. You might say, well, I'm sort of indifferent to it, but the reality is we're, naturally speaking, strangers and even enemies to grace 
and enemies to God. Do you know God tonight as your father? Do you know God tonight as Savior? Do you know God tonight as a friend? Abram was a stranger, and more than that, Abram was an idolater. The Word of God records it in Joshua chapter 24 and verse number 2. Joshua said unto all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, even Terah, the father of Abraham and the father of Nacor, and they served other gods. Not the God of Israel, not the Creator God of heaven, not the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, but they served and they they worshipped other gods. Abram knew nothing of the true God of heaven and was worshipping false gods. He was a, an idol worshipper, we might say. He was an idolater. Whether those idols were physical, idols carved out of wood or cast out of gold, or whether they were figments of his own imagination, or whether they were false deities and demonic spirits, Whatever it was, Abram worshipped them. And idolatry is still very real in our world tonight. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10 that light hath no concord or fellowship with darkness. And Christ has no fellowship with Belial. And a believer should have no part with an infidel. And those who sacrifice unto idols sacrifice unto devils or unto demons. And often we don't think about that. The Apostle Paul is teaching there in 1 Corinthians 10, 19 and 20 that those idols oftentimes represent demons and spiritual principalities and powers. Therefore, we need to be very careful about some of the things that we bring into our homes. It's often common whenever people go to different parts of the world, they might bring back a, a little Buddha or a Hindu idol or a stone thing and they'll put it in their home or they'll put it in their garden or they'll set it at their front door. And very often those things represent false deities and demonic spirits and people unwittingly bring these things into their homes, not maybe realizing what it represents. And they maybe do it in ignorance and maybe Abram was doing it in ignorance as well. I wonder tonight, are there any idols in your life? Maybe not idols of silver or stone carved out by men's hands, but maybe your idol tonight is some other thing. It might be a business. It might be a hobby. It might be an individual. It might be a pleasure that you enjoy. It might be wealth. It might be some other thing. It might be even social media. Whatever we devote our heart's attention to and whatever takes our affections and whatever dominates our thinking and whatever really captivates our hearts becomes an idol in our life. Jesus Christ said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Abram was a stranger. Abram was an idolater. But Abram was also an husband. Verse 29 of chapter 11 of Genesis says that his wife was called Sarai. We're not exactly sure just how long they'd been married according to verse number 29, but we know that Abram was a married man at this present time in their lives. They had no children. But he provided absolutely no spiritual 
guidance or counsel or leadership in the home because he, he just didn't know that he was supposed to do that. And even if he tried to, he didn't know the true God. Husbands and fathers within the home are given tremendous responsibility under God for the welfare of their families. Yes, we are to provide for our children and provide for our wives, and it's a great responsibility, not just in a financial and in a physical and in an emotional sense, but also in a spiritual sense. But unless you're converted, you'll never really be able to do that. You might be a husband tonight. You might be a father. You could be such a tremendous blessing to your family and to your home and to your children and to your brothers and sisters and your wider family circle if only you would be converted and come to know the Lord. And then we learn another thing about Abram in chapter 12 and verse number 4 that Abram was 70 and Five years old when he departed out of Haran. Seventy-five years of age before he was converted. And the majority of the biblical record about Abram's life was about the life that he lived after he was converted. We could almost say that there was nothing of any real worth or merit or value to be said of Abram's life before he was converted. It was only after his conversion that he really began to live a life of meaning and worth and purpose. He was rich in cattle and rich in goods, but that really counted for nothing until at last he was converted. And I don't mean to be in insulting tonight or rude tonight or undermine your life tonight. But dear friends, in the grand scheme of things and light of eternity, life doesn't really count for very much unless you're converted and you're following Jesus Christ and serving Him. Abram served false gods, false gods, empty things that would count for nothing in light of eternity. But whenever he was converted at 75 years of age, he really began to live a life of meaning and a life of purpose. Up until that moment in his experience, until he obeyed the Lord, his life was simply marked by carnality. And then in chapter 12, verse 1, you've got his call. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. You see, it was the Lord that was going to make Abram great, not himself. It was the Lord that was going to give Abram a name, not himself. It was the Lord that was going to make Abram a blessing, and not himself. It's all of grace. And as we think about the call of God in the life of Abram, we need to go a little bit further in Scripture over to the book of the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 7 and verse number 2. And we learn that whenever God called Abram, there was visitation. It says in Acts 7, verse 2, Men, brethren, fathers, hearken, the God of glory appeared unto our father Abram when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt 
in Haran and said unto him, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and come into the land which I shall show thee. The God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham. Many people forget that. Have the idea that God just called this audible voice, but no vision and no manifestation was seen. But we learn in Acts chapter 7 that the God of glory appeared to Abraham. This was a theophany. God somehow manifesting himself in a physical way before Abram. And Abram saw something of the God of glory, and he saw something of the glory of God. And I'm sure whenever this event happened in his life, all of those false, empty, hollow gods that he worshipped and served, they counted for nothing. Now his eyes have been opened, and he's beheld the glory of God, and he's beheld the God of glory. And whenever a person is converted, they behold the very glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The Son of God came into this world and manifested something of the glory of God into a lost and broken world. Jesus Christ our Lord said, He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And so in Abram's life there was visitation. And maybe in some ways God has been revealing himself to you, troubling your conscience, working in certain ways in your life, and you can only attribute it to the hand of God. There was visitation, and then, of course, there was a voice. Now, the Lord had said unto Abram, there was visitation and there was also a voice. And it seems that God's word was first and foremost in the conversion of Abram. Anytime you read about an individual in the Bible, Old Testament or New, being converted, the word of God is always to the fore. God spake, God said, the word of the Lord came unto, or the word of God was opened, or the gospel was preached, or the faith was declared. God's word is instrumental in conversion. I would go as far as saying that if God's word is not instrumental in a person's conversion, they need to examine themselves and ask, have they been converted at all? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The law of God is perfect, uh, converting the soul. This is why as a church, we unashamedly, Lord's day by Lord's day, open the word of God. And that's why the pulpits in our churches are central. And that's why the pulpits in our churches are elevated. It's not to elevate a personality or a pastor or a preacher or an office bearer. It's to simply show that the Word of God must be lifted up. And the Word of God must be elevated. And the Word of God must be opened. And the Word of God must ever be to the fore. Because friends, tonight I have nothing to set before you other than the Word of God and the God of the Word. This living book is the thing tonight that under God, through the power and agency of the Holy Spirit, has the power and the authority to change lives. And can I encourage every child of God, get into your Bible this year 
and endeavor, if you can, to get other people under the sound of God's Word as well, because it's only the Word of God that can influence them. Dear brother in the Lord contacted me last night, a man that I'm not all that familiar with, but telling me about a friend of his who has been diagnosed with a terminal illness, and he's so anxious to get him under the sound of the Word of God. And there's a man that's trying to reach others. There's a man that's trying to reach out. There's an individual that's trying to give something to someone that will give them something to hold on to in the face of affliction and hardship and perhaps even death at some stage. Can I encourage you? Pray for the Word of God to a free course and be glorified. And try to get the Word of God in some way into the hands of the people. And if you can, invite them out under the sound of God's Word. Abram needed to hear the Word of God, and he did. And in the voice of God, God called him. And you'll notice there that the call of God in Abram's life was personal. The Lord had said unto Abram, God called Abram by name. He knew his name. And he knew everything that that name represented. And God knows your name tonight. And he knows everything that that name represents. And I love the words of that old gospel hymn, He knew me, and yet he loved me. As God looked at Abram, he saw an outsider, he saw a stranger, he saw an idolater, he saw someone who was worshiping false gods and demons, and yet God loved him, and God knew him, and God called him personally. Child of God tonight, can you remember that night or that day in your life's experience? Whenever God began to speak into your heart and into your life, and somehow you became conscious, the Lord knows me and in spite of my faults and failures and sins and shortcomings, He loved me and He called me personally. Maybe God is calling you tonight. And you know it in your heart. And maybe you're like Saul and you're kicking against the prick. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. God was for Saul, but Saul was resisting it and kicking back against it. And sometimes we do that, don't we, in life? We somehow avoid those things that we know are good for us. You know, I could be doing, if I'm honest, with a trip to the dentist. But I've absolutely no desire to go just in case I get bad news and I maybe need a filling here or there and I just don't want that, but probably that's what I need. And in a much greater sense, people know that they need to get right with God, but they're maybe afraid of what God might call them into, and they hold back. R.A. Torrey had a remarkable ministry right across the world, and even here in her capital city in Belfast and St. George's Market, preached to thousands of people, and multitudes were converted under his ministry. But you know the thing that held back R.A. Torrey from becoming a Christian? He felt that if I give my life to God, he's going to call me to be a preacher. And that's what God called him to do. The call of God in Abram's life was personal. It was pointed. God said, get thee out. 
Get out of your family, get out of your nation, get out of your city, and leave it all behind. It was plain and it was clear, and maybe in your life there will be things that you'll need to leave behind and get away from in order to really get into the place where God wants you to be. And therefore, the call of God in his life was pricing. It would be costly. Now, friends, tonight God's salvation is free. It's without money. And it's without price. But to lay hold upon Jesus Christ in some ways might be costly while God's salvation is a free gift. It might cost you certain habits, certain friendships maybe. It might cost you your reputation. You might have to make restitution. And maybe you know in your heart that there's some things and some places that you want to hold on to and you're not willing to get out and leave them behind because it's too pricey. And then the call of God in Abram's life as well was powerful because it says in verse number 4 of chapter 12, so Abraham departed. The call of God in his life was powerful. He's willing to obey the Lord and do whatever the Lord wants him to do. This is evangelical obedience. He wants now nothing more to do with dead idols because he has seen and heard from the God of glory. The call was also with promise. Verses 2 and 3 of chapter 12 make that clear. God promised in verse 2 to make of Abraham a great nation, and God has kept his promise. Down through the centuries and down through the, the generations, God has kept the nation of Israel in being and in existence. Though they were scattered throughout all the world, they never really lost their identity. God kept his promise to Abram from then until now. And in verse number 7, he, he promises that unto his seed I will give this land. And God has kept that promise as well. And God will ultimately keep that promise. And then God promised not only to bless Abram in a national sense, but God promised to bless him in a personal sense as well. Verse number two, he says, I will bless thee. And maybe you're holding back from giving your life to God tonight because you think somehow God will ruin your life. God wants to bless you. Salvation is a wonderful blessing. So we see Abraham's carnality. We see his call. And then we also, in closing, see his conversion. Verse number four, Abraham departed as... The Lord had spoken unto him. Abram was converted through the word. God called Abram in grace. And Abram responded to the word of God in faith. Genesis chapter 15 and verse number 6 says, He believed in the Lord and he counted it unto him for righteousness. Some people ask the question, how were Old Testament saints saved? They were saved the same way that you and I are saved. They were saved through grace alone, by faith alone, in Christ alone, as he is revealed in the Word alone. Romans chapter 4 makes it very clear that Abraham trusted the Lord and was saved by faith. And the Lord Jesus Christ said in John's Gospel 8 and 56, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. 
Abram under God as God spoke to him learned a lot more about the Lord Jesus Christ than we often give these Old Testament saints credit for. As we look back to Christ, the Old Testament saints looked forward. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And as you think about his conversion, there was departure. Abraham got out from his kindred and from his country and from his father's house. And there was a departure and things were, were left behind. Cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back. And then there was a new direction. Abraham began, as it says in verse number 5, he began to make for the land of Canaan. And into the land of Canaan, ultimately they came. A new direction. Whenever a person is converted, they begin to go a new direction. Whenever a person is converted, they're making for a new destination. The Scripture says there in verse 5 that they ultimately went into the land of Canaan. Hebrews chapter 11 says that Abraham went out looking for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Abraham was a man now living with eternity's values and views, a new destination, a new direction, new desires. He's following God now. His life has been changed. He's truly been converted. There are new desires in his heart. The things that he once loved, he now hates. And the things that he once hates, he now loves. And God has put his law in his heart. But there was one problem. There was also a delay. It says there in chapter 11 and verse number 31, God had said unto Abram, Get thee out from thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house. But chapter 11 verse 31 says, Terah, took Abraham his son, and Lot the son of Haran, his son's son, and Sarai his daughter-in-law, his son Abraham's wife. And they went forth with them from the Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan. Now God had said, Abram, I want you to leave your kindred, and I want you to leave your father's house, and I want you to go out. But Terah came with him. In fact, Terah took him. And instead of going directly to Canaan, it says at the end of verse number 31 that they came to Haran and they, they dwelt there. And that's noteworthy. Abraham has gone so far. But Terah, his father, caused them to delay. In fact, the name Terah, it means to stop or it means station, stationary. It means delay, and they delayed 500 miles from Ur, outside of Canaan, somewhere in between, in this little place called Haran. And the, the word Haran, it means parched or barren. And they spent quite a lot of time there, until at last Terah died in Haran. And only then was Abram able to move on. And the lesson is very simple. Whatever we bring out of the old life into the new life often proves to be a hindrance to us. And there are things that in the course of our journey from earth to heaven need to die and need to be cut off. And sometimes we don't progress as well as we should 
because the old man isn't crucified daily. Paul the Apostle said, I die daily. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 1, speaking about running the race that is set before us, says we're to cast off every weight and the sins which do so easily beset us. And maybe you're converted tonight, but there's been a delay in your Christian journey and there's not the fruitfulness and you're maybe living, yes, outside of the Ur of the Chaldees, outside of Mesopotamia, but you're not really going forward for God anymore. You're not witnessing for Christ. You're not praying. You're not in the Word of God. You're stationary. You're frustrated. You're barren. And maybe you need to crucify the flesh and take up the cross afresh. But can I ask you in closing, have you been converted? The conversion of Abram. God said in Genesis 12 and verse 2 that God would bless him and make him a blessing. God can bless you tonight. God can make you a blessing. But you must respond tonight to the call of God in simple faith and follow the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. I wonder tonight, would you be willing even to do that? Seventy-five years of age, Abram was converted. Lived so long in his sin. Is it not time tonight that you were converted? Give your life, your soul, your all to him who loved you and gave himself for you. Let's have a word of prayer together. And then we'll sing a verse or two of a hymn. Let's pray. Loving God and eternal Father, please we ask thee, O God, write thy word upon hearts this evening. Pray, Lord, for those who are, Lord, living in spiritual darkness. Lord, we pray that you will call them out after thyself. And Lord, bless them and make them a blessing. Lord, we pray that you will be glorified and exalted and that there might be a, a response in hearts and lives. Lord, this old world has got nothing for us. And Lord, for those distractions and those things that hold us back and hinder us, Lord, may they be crucified and may they be let go off tonight. And we pray that you will lead us on with thyself. Glorify thy Son. Write thy word on every heart. And bless us as we continue on before thee. Remember our fellowship together in a few moments' time. Hear and answer prayer. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.